Killed the radio star. My name is Steve Haynes, and with me, Tyler Young. Who killed the radio star? Yeah, that's it. That's the show, and that's the theme song. That's why we play that at the top. Okay, we've burned like 30 seconds. We're almost there. We have to cut like half of that. That's a good point. That's who killed the radio star, guys. We're back for. Another steaming episode. This is uh, things are steaming. This is this is like we. This is kind of territory we haven't really been into. This is current events. Yeah, breaking news. Beep 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 beep. beep. This Check. is something that I don't even that I didn't even I don't even want to talk about. I don't even I don't even I didn't want to do this. I don't want to believe this. I did. I wanted to talk about it the day it came out. Probably not a good idea. We got to watch a lot of people digest the information that are much more intelligent than us and made me think about it in different ways. So it's going to make it better. It's still happening. The digestion is still happening. But this is a very painful and a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. So we just want to address that right from the top and that we are going to try to do this as respectfully as we can. Don't. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) I I didn't do anything. Don't. What do you mean? I just was clearing my throat in preparation for our discussion on Buffy St. Marie. Now, you may have seen in the past few weeks, especially if you're here in Canada with us. Here's the question, <laughs> right off the bat. Did anyone see this information that wasn't, that isn't Canadian, does not live in Canada? I think so. I, I do think so, because this is the thing, is that Buffy St. Marie is a very, uh, very accomplished, very famous... In Canada. In Canada. Indigenous uh, artist, indigenous musician in Canada, but also... Also in in America, if anyone is, yeah, it's her, yeah, and she is. She's done a lot of stuff throughout the states. She's been on Sesame Street. Yep, that's not just in Canada. No, nope, that's Sesame Park. <laughs> was that just in Canada? Yeah, I remember Sesame Park. I thought that that was like an, an attempt at an older Sesame Street. No, oh, it was just for like kids, like a little older, who hang out in parks. Oh, maybe I don't remember. I just remember there being like a polar bear Muppet. That's all. I, you know what? I think that's all I remember from Sesame Park. But I remember they put it on before or after Sesame Street. Definitely looking in, looking for the lead in or the lead out from Sesame Street. But it was yeah, Canadian produced. Let's take a look. At, let's take a little look at Sesame Park right now because we got to have a little fun today. Absolutely, Sesame Park. It is Canadian Sesame Street. Yep. Okay. You're not. You're not wrong. It was co-produced by uh, by the Sesame Workshop. Okay. And the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC, who we will be talking about. Right on. Okay. And when, when, did, it, when did it debut? Or even better, when did it end? Well, it's, it's interesting because it kind of just is Sesame Street, but then rebranded to Sesame Park in the 90s. Hmm. Interesting. In the 90s. Okay. So it was, it was a, a re-edited version of the original American series, Sesame Street. And was named Sesame Street Canada, and later Canadian Sesame Street. Okay. With some of the segments replaced with ones produced in Canada, and later featuring Canadian-exclusive Muppets. Interesting. In 1996, the series adopted a new format and was renamed Sesame Park. So maybe that's why... Did we watch a different Sesame Street? That's what this is kind of positing here, but, you know, my recollection, every time I watched... Like, Sesame Street was, was, was probably my biggest show as a child, you know? You know, you got that one show when you're growing up, 
it changes Look, with the generations. You want you want to talk about them? I'll tell you right now that this the the Canadian Sesame Street, all right? It anchored a three show block that included the Friendly Giant. Oh yeah. Later replaced by Fred Penner's place. Oh, love that one too. And Mr. Dressup. Oh, I love Mr. You want to talk about your childhood? It's right there. It's that block. Yeah, Mr. Dressup, Sesame Street. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think. I think maybe that's why I don't remember much of Sesame Park, though, is because if it was rebranded in 96 as that, it's probably something I more saw after I was past the age of Sesame Street and my brothers were watching it. And I probably, or, you know, there's always that thing that I've probably talked about on this podcast before. I used to watch The Simpsons, like, at every syndication window possible. You've talked about it, but I did, too. I mean, I, I had the block after school where it was, like, I knew all the channels from 4 till like, 7.30. That's right, yeah, and it would it would be on almost every just, half hour, yeah, almost every half hour, and if and if you miss half hour, you could substitute it with like King of the Hill, yeah, and it was almost always different episodes, which is which was crazy, yeah. But you would you there'd be one on Omni, there no one knows one that on is on Fox, no one knows any of these channels. Uh, people know what Fox, no one is. knows Fox, <laughs> but but one of them was on the CBC as well, like I think on like the five thirty ish spot. And um, I'm assuming that, like, maybe that's how I kind of know Sesame Park is maybe seeing it on the guide or maybe it was on before. or Maybe the CBC one was earlier. Maybe it was at, like, 4 o'clock. So they were still playing kids programming up until that point. Anyways. Let me hit you with some Canadian Muppets. We got uh, Basil the Bear. Okay. French-Canadian Luis the Otter. Oh. Uh, Dodie the Bush Pilot. I don't remember any. The Basil the Bear must be the thing I'm thinking. The Polar Bear. That's him there. Yeah, that's him. He looks like a knight. Yeah, I know that guy. That's the guy I know. The the next year they introduced even more new Canadian Muppets, uh, such as Doctor Bazooki. Ooh, delicious. Fern, Robert, and the wheelchair user Katie. Mm, ahead of its time. And she's there. That's a good model right there. I like that. It's a good. That's a good. That's a good Muppet. I, I you know what I was saying though is, uh, my recollection of watching Sesame Street was not on the CBC. It was usually on the PBS PBS Buffalo Public Broadcasting uh, System. I don't know what the S is. I guess that's. I guess it is system. That's that's where I watched my Sesame Street. Because when you grow up in, for those of you not in Canada. Or maybe even younger and don't know about this. Um, when you live near the border, you would get channels both over the air and on cable of the American affiliates closest to you. So, you know, in, in Toronto, we would get Buffalo. And here, I remember when we first got cable, when we moved to Calgary, you'd get uh, uh, Spokane. you get the Spokane channel. Wisconsin. I'm sure that's what it is for, like, Winnipeg or something, you know? Like... Um, you would get those like local affiliates. So I, I only really remember watching Sesame Street directly on PBS as opposed to watching it on CBC. And I also remember just not liking Sesame Park. Don't know why. Just in my brain, I remember thinking, fuck Sesame Park. You didn't like Dr. Bazooki? I, I guess I didn't. I, again, I don't remember anyone with Basil the Bear. And I couldn't have told you his name. Before I didn't remember him. And it could be Basil. We don't know. <laughs> it could be. Um, so yeah, Buffy St. Marie, back to our, our main topic today. She was on Sesame Street. She was on Sesame Street, she so it comes a, full circle. Know, she was one of those, she was one of those hip, hip cool cats in the New York West Side, hanging out with Bob Dylan. Ooh. Leonard Cohen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, uh, Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> this it just kind of sounds like I'm trying to do your Dracula voice from the last episode. <laughs> 
Look, Buffy Saint Marie is a very accompli- very accomplished indigenous folk singer who has a music career spanning about six years. And about two weeks ago, in the middle of October 2023, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, put out a documentary uh, with their uh, fifth estate, whatever that is, their little branch. It's a long-standing, almost like 60 minutes. It's a news program on the CBC that typically tackles Canadian-specific issues in investigative journalism magazine format. Well, I guess not magazine format, but it's usually one topic per episode they put out a documentary a few weeks ago claiming that buffy saint marie is not indigenous at all not even a little bit well maybe a little maybe like a well, little bit a little bit in a couple ways in a we'll couple ways that. but we'll get to that but that she has fabricated it all that she is known and that she has misled the public into believing that she is indigenous amongst a lot of other things that come along with that this has really stirred things up because this is a very sensitive topic to call people's heritage into question, to people's culture into question. And, of course, anyone who is fabricating this sort of stuff, lying about this sort of stuff, it's, a, it's an awful thing to do. And the general public is not going to take to it very kindly, nor are the people of the culture that you are trying to impersonate. Yeah, it's been weird watching the whole discourse around it because I think on some level, you know... Buffy Saint Marie's not like a huge name in I think Canada. You're, I, I think you're wrong. I think you're so wrong. I guess. I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, she is. I mean, growing up, my only exposure to her really was on CBC. Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Sesame Park, my well, favorite show. This is this is the thing um, of why this is kind of so crazy too, is because CBC. She's been a big part of CBC for her, her entire career. She's hosted specials and, yep. and and documentaries and things of of their thing, all sorts of different things on CBC. Yeah, for those of you unaware too, like the the CBC is a is our is our publicly funded broadcaster, much like PBS in the states, but even to more of, of more of an extent. There's always been a necessity for a public broadcaster in Canada, based on the idea that every Canadian had the right to access media. In particular, in this case, television and radio. So the CBC was founded in order to, even though maybe it wasn't, it wouldn't economically make sense for a private enterprise to open a broadcasting center in the far north where there's not a lot of people. It's, you know, there's public funding there for the CBC to to do that and so to make sure that everyone has access to radio and television. So they not only specialize in Canadian programming almost exclusively, but they also like. Fund all aspects of the Canadian journey. They're, they tell stories about everyone in Canada, whether it be, you know, uh, something that maybe is like, you know, a, a fraction of a percentage of our population, like a, a, a tribe up north, or, you know, the Vancouver experience, the Toronto experience, the Montreal experience. So they have a wide dearth of programming, and basically on equal measures too. Like they, you know, Kim's Convenience was on CBC. Some people may know that. Or may not if you're outside of Canada, but that was a very popular Canadian show. That Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek, like some bomb shit comes out of the CBC because they, you know, give voice to a lot of stories that don't get play other places, and then they resonate with people, and then they get really big. That's what Kim's Convenience specifically is. What I was thinking of Shit's Creek is more of was more of a big swing by CBC that that they fucking well, crushed. Shit's Creek was all, like Eugene Levy. He was already Eugene yeah. Levy. Yeah, you had a lot of people. You had Catherine O'Hara. You had like a bunch of people that were already 
you know stalwarts of Canadian media but so yeah that's why I only really ever saw Buffy St. Marie represented on CBC but it's not like also you're also not listening to folk music I guess that's a good point right? it's not my it's not my jam they weren't playing it on much music when we were watching that yeah so but she's she's I mean she's huge she's received multiple awards she won a Juno Award, which is a, a Canadian award that only Canadians can win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she won that in 2018. She's she's been awarded the Order of Canada, which is the highest award you can you can receive. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a big one. That's a real big. It's it's, a, it's like getting knighted in Canada. And now, according to CBC's The Fifth Estate's recent investigation, she's not even Canadian. Yeah. Well, according to their investigation. According to their investigation, yeah. I mean, uh, I. Just to just like run down my knowledge of her youth was the tag the logline always was she was born uh, to some tribe up here. It was and let's go ahead and say right now like I'm I'm gonna mispronounce a lot of these these tribe names and stuff like right not on purpose but like I'm sure like this is I'm not gonna get all these correct and I'm just saying that out there right now. She was born on the on Piapot Reserve Piapot seventy five Reserve. Okay. In Saskatchewan, right? In Sask- in Saskatchewan, yeah. In the Cuap Capel Capel Valley. I mean, it is French, and it should be Capel, but I don't know if that's how they're pronouncing it in Saskatchewan. So she claimed that she was born on the Piapot Reserve to Cree parents, then was adopted early in life, a year or two old, to an American family in Massachusetts. Yeah, she said she was part of what is known up here as the Sixty Scoop. Which isn't just exclusively in the sixties, but well, the it idea... started. It started in nineteen fifty-one. And when was she born again? Nineteen forty-one. Okay, well, mm, mm, so she would have been say, ten. Mm, just gonna say mm, to that. So let's explain the sixty scoop. Yeah, so it was just a, a policy of Canada to, and a long history of policies by Canada to uh, horrible fucking policies. Horrible. By Canada. Let's you know. Make sure, we say that. I'm sure that on some level, some of them thought they were doing the right thing. The weren't. People, the yeah, I mean, people always think they're doing the right thing. We're all the hero of our own story. Even Hitler thought he was a hero. I thought I think Hitler was was just like trying to be a supervillain. Pretty sure. I think I read that in his book. You ever read that book? <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So they would take uh, indigenous kids away from their family, and I think it was under the auspices of like child serve child protective services, like not giving the child enough care. And that's what that's what they used to justify it. But it was a large, like, we're talking tens of thousands of kids that were taken from uh, different, you know, uh, nations, indigenous nations in Canada and uh, adopted out. Um, but in, in this case, it's just a weird one because it's like, okay, so she was I mean, people adopted. Were, people were fucking stolen from their families and given out to Caucasian families to whitewash them. Yes. In an attempt from the government to erase them. It was a horrible fucking thing that happened. And that, yeah, and Buffy has always claimed to be a part of that. Maybe. Yeah. It gets a little foggy if you really dig into the accounts that she's, the various accounts she's given over the years. This particular, this this run of it. So she's always kind of went by this one main story. That's kind of been the log line. That's, that's on the Wikipedia, you know, like that's the thing that she's kind of settled into. But when you really investigate the numerous articles she's put out over the years, especially because she's been famous since the 60s, it's been all over the place. She's identified as three different tribes, three different nations. Yeah, Algonquin, Cree, and Mi'kmaq. 
Yes, Mick, which was, by the way, hilarious, because just complete side note here, I have very, very, very small amount of indigenous relatives um, that I'm not familiar with at all. <laughs> just know that I'm like one quarter at most. Yeah, one quarter at most Micmac. Yeah. And that's from the side of the family that my father doesn't speak to his side of the family. And my grandmother on that side does look like she is like 100% native, but I can't speak to her heritage because we don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> but okay. I was always, it was, I was always told that that's what she was. She's from, she's from Quebec and that's kind of the area in which, you know, the Micmac is, is more of an Atlantic Canada thing, but that she had that heritage and thus gave it to me. You, I just wanted to cycle around to that because your, your pronunciation of Micmac, which we also saw on a person who knows a lot more than us say, <laughs> and it was, Almost like Migma, yeah, Mi'kma. and I had never heard that in my life. Again, that's how native Mi- I am. <laughs> that's 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 how, that's my extent of my indigenous identification. I don't even know how to fucking pronounce the band I am supposedly from. Well, you heard it from our resident Mi'kmaq. Uh, Migma. <laughs> well, with that being said, though, those three different bands are nowhere close to each other. They're in completely different areas. I mean, Cree, you can be in the prairies, you can be in northern Ontario, Algonquin's Ontario, and Quebec, and Mi'kmaq is East Coast. Yeah. Now, a lot of people might not notice this, but in the Fifth Estate documentary, there are indigenous people who are saying, you, you don't confuse those. You don't... Yeah. You know where you're... I mean, even... That goes to, like, much minor thing. Like, I was just saying, like, I know I'm... Possibly up to one quarter, whatever. But I was always told it was this one band, and it's always been the one. It's not like they were telling me, ah, you might be, you, you might be Micmac. Uh, you also might be from uh, Haida Gwaii. Like, just, you know, it was always at least a pretty set logline on what the tribe was. So it's a little strange that you would uh, get that wrong so many times. But. That's so it's another one of the inconsistencies in her story. And there's a lot of these things now that are being brought to light where in her uh, in her 2018 authorized biography, she states that she was probably born on the Piapot First Nation Reserve in Saskatchewan. And there's a lot of these sort of probabilities that popped up. And she's never hidden the fact that she didn't really know all this, right? That she that she has a lots of lots of question marks uh, in her past. It's just that the the things that she stated as fact are now sort of being put under a magnifying glass and maybe aren't so. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is you can you can be unsure and you can say different things to different publications and not knowing that they'd all ever be, you know, coalesced into one document to be used against you. You know, you need to be talking to her. She's also like a famous singer in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, she's probably doing drugs. Oh, she's, I mean, she's probably course. rocking out, you yeah. know, rocking so out. I, 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 I get some aspects of that, but I think it's the, the further damning evidence is everything that has come out about her family, her, her, her adoptive parents, quote unquote. That's when things start to get a little bit more sketchy and a little more gross mm-hmm. and you can't really fill in the gaps as much because, you know, it's basically come out from that side of the family that she was never adopted that she or at the very least was not 
adopted from some tribe in Canada. It is very... It gets complicated because she was eventually adopted when she was like 23. True. By a tribe in Canada. True. Peapot, in fact. On Peapot, yeah. Yeah. But I think there was also documentation... I can't remember. I I might be making this... I might be pulling this out of my ass. I think there was documentation that... She had never mentioned anything about Pia Pop before that point. Well, no, she did claim that that was where she was originally born. Before she went there and was adopted by them? Uh, yeah, no, no. Before that, there was never any mention. In her teenagers, there's no, like, there's no mention ever of her even being indigenous in any way. First Nations, any of it, nothing. Yeah, it just seems a little too convenient. I think she maybe rewrote her own narrative after she did have a connection with these people on the Pia Pot Nation. And then tried to write that into the narrative that she had been building. My whole theory, just to throw it out there, guys. My theory is she was hanging out in New York, in Greenwich Village, mm-hmm. with all the folk nerds in the 60s. And she was probably at a party and just fucking said she was part native. And then it just spiraled out of control over 65 years. I could see it. I I could see it. I mean, you, yeah, you just start rolling with it. And, and at a certain point, maybe you start believing it. I don't know. But let's... At least for the most part, I think she definitely believes it. It certainly seems like it. So, in the documentary, the CBC, on October 27th, 2023, they published Buffy's official birth certificate, which she always said didn't exist. She didn't have one. Which can be true for uh, definitely a lot of indigenous children from that time period. But uh, they found her birth certificate. It was proven authentic. It showed that she was born in Stoneham, Massachusetts, to her parents, Albert and Winifred Santa Maria. And that Santa Maria was their original name. These are uh, Italian and English immigrants who moved to the States and then changed their name from Santa Maria to St. Marie because yeah. of all the anti-Italian stuff that was going on. Mamma Mia. That's right. Well, part of it, too, now is like when she was a she's now kind of pivoted. And a lot of people, have, a lot of her defenders have pivoted to this idea that because she was adopted by this tribe, by this by this family on in, in the Piapot Nation later in life, that was her true claim to in being indigenous, which is not something I really thought was going to be part of the conversation when I first read the article. I read the article the day it dropped. And I didn't really see that as becoming a thing. And I've since in turn learned about this idea of there's a lot of informal adoption in a lot of indigenous nations. It's just one of those things where that's like part of the culture to some extent, more so than it is in standard North American culture, I guess is probably the best way to put it. But they've pivoted this idea that like, well, she's been part of this native culture for 60 years and she has a right to call herself that because of her adoption but it's bullshit because there's two sides of that argument she she's always presented herself in a different fashion yeah i mean it is and it isn't right because it's like also like these are these are nations with their own um sovereignty sovereign Uh, sovereignty these are sovereign nations these are sovereign nations yes and in a way, it's taking away that sovereignty yeah. by saying, telling them, no, you can't make this person part of your nation. Yeah, absolutely. Because an immigrant to Canada is still Canadian. Totally. So where is this line drawn? But I think because, like you said, because she built an entire uh, career and arguably a brand around it. Yes. And profited 
That's what makes it from it weird and gross. But at the same time, she has done so much on the activist side of things. Absolutely. Where she has definitely actually believed in these causes and 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 fought for them. So really, it's like what is it's it's like it's just like you know she seems to be a pretty annoying dumb lady mm-hmm. based on the interviews I've seen with her throughout the years, and I think she just took this and ran with it. And I think it's disingenuous for her or her camp or her defenders to insinuate that the only problem people have with this is that she's identified in such a fashion for so long. Well, because she clearly has stated multiple times throughout the years that there was a bigger impetus to identifying as indigenous, that she (laughs) was indigenous, period, from birth and adopted by her Caucasian family and then later adopted again, that she has always claimed to be like hereditarily indigenous. Yeah. Yes. And that's a problem. Cause it, it's clear that that's like the, the fucking impetus for the whole thing. That's the root of it. And it goes further too, because it becomes the argument of it's like, well, then it's like that she, if she, if she wasn't indigenous and she made this whole career claiming that she was, did she take that spot away from someone who, who could have who could have done that? Yeah, maybe. You know, it's a very real possibility. You know, I guess like it's like at the end of the day, I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I like if she, so she doesn't really address this, right? Like she knew the documentary was coming, so she put out a video on Facebook a few days before the documentary dropped, addressing it. But she didn't really say anything. Right. She just sort of said that she's she's uh, deeply hurt by it, and that she knows who she is. And she's always had a lot of questions about her her past that she didn't know all the answers to. And uh, and she also says at one point that her, her mother, her adopted mother told her, yeah, there were lots of things you didn't know. And she makes sort of a big point of saying, like, one of these things that I've never shared before that my mother, sh- my adopted mother shared with me is that I may, I was a child born on the wrong side of the blanket. And I, you know, I didn't want to say it. it's not my place to say it, but I'm saying it. There it is. It's her story. And now that is a born on the wrong side of the blanket is a really old term used meaning born out of wedlock or born uh, out of adultery, which is an interesting thing to slide into this video addressing everything almost. That's that's the real strange thing to me is like, I don't like why even pivot to that? It makes her it just makes her seem more guilty. It makes her seem like she's yeah, like she's trying to pivot and distract with something else. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I... This is a real fun one, eh, guys? I know there's just no room for jokes here. I mean, <laughs> or like, how about how about uh, how about, how, how about we just get to the part where she says that her her brother uh, sexually abused her growing up? <laughs> this is a real knee slapper. This episode. He, uh, her brother, Alan, Santa Maria, Saint Marie, in 1972, he wrote to several publications, but including the Denver Post. To say that Buffy was not born on a reservation, that she has Caucasian parents, and that, this is a quote, to associate her with the Indian and to accept her as his spokesman is wrong, end quote. And this is uh, when Buffy responds, first with harsh legal action, uh, a letter from her, from her legal team saying that uh, Buffy will not stop at any lengths to... Uh, to end you 
to end you pretty much. Yeah, she, money's not going to be an issue. She's going to come after you. It's, of course, said very, very more professionally. And in the same envelope with that letter is a handwritten letter from Buffy saying, if you don't back off and stop telling people this, I'm going to tell everyone that you sexually abused me as a child. I'm going to tell your wife. I'm going to tell your boss. And I'm going to have the police come get you. And that is pretty close it's not verbatim, but it's pretty close. Yeah, and that's when it starts to get real icky and like, like it just and just and just takes less like takes more credibility away from her more than anything. Well, because if this is true, and that's a whole other thing that happened, it's like, why is this the only time this is this has come up, and why is this? And of course, you know, with with victims of sexual abuse, a lot of times it doesn't get spoken up a lot. It doesn't, you know, it's something that you just file away on your own, and and you just a lot of times it doesn't get brought up. But it certainly doesn't get brought up as a threat. Yeah, that's the thing. She seems to be weaponizing it, it to does, some extent. It, whether to it's full extent what, in that letter. I mean, whether it's true or not, she's weaponizing it. So Now, she never really brought it up in her career at that point. Not at all. Until years and years and years later. And uh, after her brother died in the more recent documentary that's come out about her, she gets into detail even more about it. But it certainly makes you wonder when you look at look at it like this and in the fifth the state documentary there are letters from her brother alan written to their father talking about her accusations about him and saying how how much it deeply disturbed him and how upsetting it is for him to hear her make make up these accusations about him and and in the same letter he says he's going to back off because he doesn't have the financial power to stand against buffy and her lawyers and these are pretty damning things these are pretty damning letters they're fucked they're fucked (laughs) Yeah, this is okay. So now you guys, you know, I know you guys come here for one thing, and that's the big twist. The big twist. So what's the big twist with this? Is she actually? Uh, is there rumors on the internet that she's uh, actually an alien? She has been Basil the Bear this entire this time. entire time. That's how she got on Sesame Street. She had to play Basil the ba- Basil the Bear on <laughs> Sesame Park, and they made her do. And that's the real conspiracy. Have you guys seen Five Nights at Freddy's? It's like Five Nights at Freddy's, except it's Basil the Bear and and Buffy the same ring. And you know what, guys? I don't think she's a vampire slayer either. There it is. (laughs) This would be a great time to end the episode, but I've got a few more things to say. One of which, I watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Hmm. This is is better. Can we we talk about this now? (laughs) It wasn't that good. It was fine. I didn't think it was going to be good. I thought it was going to be fine. Yeah, it was all right. Glad to hear. How gory was it? It was PG-13, No, right? it was not very gory. More spooks? Not even really spooks, like, I guess, but, like... Hmm. Interesting. You could have dialed it up a bit for me. How was PETA? PETA good in it? PETA was pretty good. Okay. PETA's pretty good. So, I, I honestly, I encourage you all to go watch this documentary. It's on YouTube. It's 45 minutes. 45 minutes. You can, you can, if you already know who Buffy St. Marie is, you can skip the first 10 minutes, because it's just telling you about who she is. But uh, in the documentary, so most of most of the Santa Maria family is has passed away at, at this point. All of Buffy's siblings have passed away, except for I believe one who didn't want to per- participate in the documentary out of fear, uh, fear <laughs> um, from the legal team and all that. But uh, two of the the I believe her son, that's that sibling's son, and. The accused brother's daughter are both in the documentary. So Buffy's yeah. nephew and niece. Now, this is some more interesting uh, 
condemning information is that Buffy's niece, Heidi, took a blood test that showed that she, that it showed that she was related to Buffy's son through blood. Right. Which, Which would be impossible if, if, ado- if she was adopted. adopted. If she was adopted. Yeah. Right. And now it also did show that Heidi had, quote, almost no indigenous ancestry. In none. Her. Almost none. Zero. No, almost. So if that is true, then Buffy might also have just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, just sure. Just like you. Just like, oh, look at that. I Look at that. He just tied the whole episode right together there. Uh, there's there's more stuff. There's like, it's just like you hear a couple of these things and you're like, okay, well, what about this? And But then more come, more come, more, more, more. How about on her marriage certificate? She signed it and put her birth date and place of birth as Massachusetts. Hmm. Weird. Very weird. That's the thing is like, I think, I think she's lying. I think she always knows she was lying. And I think she's kind of pissed off right now that she's 82 and she didn't make it to the finish line. She was close. She was close. It's it's just like, let's try and look at it from the other, like, could this all be made up? It's just like, how, how is it? I don't, I don't think I mentioned, but the, the birth certificate, also her name born was Beverly. Beverly Santa Maria. Beverly Jean Santa Maria, I believe. But the birth certificate is sequentially numbered. So in order for that to be a fake, we need a lot of power, a lot of money. Yeah. With a lot of weird motives. Not to mention this family in Massachusetts somehow adopting this child from the middle of Saskatchewan. Getting that birth certificate destroyed. Getting back to Massachusetts. Having another fake birth certificate forged there. It just everything. It just doesn't all add up. It's like all these pieces on their own stand alone, and, and but when you put them together, things don't add up. They don't all. They don't all mesh. They don't all work together. Yeah, for me, like it's, 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 it's just all about motives. Like, it is one hundred percent. I I believe like it's one hundred percent that she was born in Massachusetts, identified as native for some arbitrary reason when she was super young, whether it was for attention or. Whether it was to distance herself I mean, from her Italian I don't heritage. Know, I don't even or, think that that's super young because in the documentary, there's pictures of her as a kid. Which she's a little white girl. I, yeah, I mean, like, you know, she, she started identifying herself super young with it. Mm. You know, that's why I think, I think, I like, I, again, I know this is just a complete speculation. But I just can imagine her getting into music and it being cool for her to say that she had indigenous heritage and just told a big lie and everyone remembered the lie the next morning and then brought it up again next weekend at another party. And she was like, oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden, you've just created this entire narrative. You get bigger and bigger and bigger. Your entire career is coupled with the idea that you have indigenous heritage. You're seen as like a poster child for the, yeah. the mashup of like indigenous culture and, and, and other contemporary culture. So I think she's lying. I think she didn't want to get caught. I think that's why she threatened everyone. And she hasn't said anything about it. She yeah. hasn't like addressed it. She addressed it before it came out, but since it came out, she, we haven't heard anything. And this has left her her Piapot family that did adopt her in her twenties, right? To there that they've come out and addressed it. And they this is the statement that they said: "We claim her as a member of our family, 
and all of our family members are from the Piapop First Nation. To us, that holds far more weight than any paper documentation or colonial record or colonial record keeping ever could. They also said it was hurtful, ignorant, colonial, and racist. See, like, no. And that's like that's it's just like, like if this wrong. is all too well, if it, it's it it is it, it, it isn't isn't. Like she's definitely part of the family. No, totally. Yes, but like that's fine for them to say that and to 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 take that log line and say that and say, look, she's part of the family, she's a dog, but it is like it is the the whole like jab at colonial record keeping and then calling it racist is like it's not. Because the question here right, right now is not whether her complete and entire identity identity as an indigenous person is in question. It's the fact that she lied about it in the first place. That's what's in question. That's what's on trial. She could have absolutely never said that she was born on a reserve and she could have said she was like adopted by the Peapot Nation when she was 23 and is someone who identifies as indigenous through that relationship and not through blood or birth. She could even still say that. She still could. And it's just... It wouldn't be great, but she but could. It's like, it's, it doesn't change anything that she's done. It doesn't That's change her career. It doesn't change what she's done for the people. But if we are to look at it where she sort of maliciously has impersonated exactly. and stolen stories that aren't true and claimed as her own then yeah, it does start to take a bit a much darker turn. Yeah, and that that, that statement put out by the family honestly is is, is like it, it's infuriating. Things like that are infuriating to me. Because as someone who truly, no matter <laughs> the horrible things I say on this podcast and the shit that Steve has to cut out. Yeah, we cut them all out. I do consider myself an ally to many different cultures and people that are subjugated to bullshit by culture in general both in the past and currently and to say something like that cheapens it, it cheapens things i've said and done because that's just another fucking piece of ammo for some ignorant trash who's looking for an excuse to be racist to say yeah look at this they're so dumb they think that's racist too and 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 belittle other opinions and i hate that and that's what that's just what drives me the most crazy about it is is when people say shit like that it just cheapens legitimate efforts to have these conversations. You're just burying you're just burying the rest of us because you don't want to believe it's true. I don't fucking know. You're not eloquent enough to put out a statement that delivers your opinion in the perfect way. I I, I hate that shit. Either way, this is this is a it's a tough one. It's like uh, I either way, it's like either she's lying and it's a it's a horrible, disgusting thing that she's been doing for years and years and years. Or the CBC is targeting someone, which know, would be absolutely wild. For yeah, them to do if that. they were just coming at her completely, you know, again, like if this was really unjust. Yeah, if this was like OAN or Fox News, or I wouldn't be Fox. I'll give Fox News some credit. Even they wouldn't do that. I but mean, like if it was OAN just, or something, it's just that there's there's evidence. There's a lot more evidence. There's no. There's basically no evidence in favor of of her story. Yeah, no. And there's so much in the on the other side. The only thing, the only like that's the thing is they've taken the PR approach where they've pivoted to this idea that she never knew her story and that the entire thing has been manipulated in this idea that like oh well she's indigenous because she was well she was adopted by this family it's like yes but that was that's after the fact and also not what the concern here is the concern is the lying the manipulation the threats 
and all of that, not the actual part where like she identified from that what what is her family for the last sixty years? Totally, yeah. It's every yeah. It's everything but, else. <laughs> at the end of the day, up where we belong is a fucking banger, and she co-wrote it, and no one could ever take that away from her. Nope. Well, we'll see. Love lift <laughs> us up where, where we belong. belong. Look, it's a touchy subject. It's a touchy episode. Again, I encourage you to go. Uh, do your own research on this. Watch the Fifth Estate documentary if you'd like to know more. I mean, they've got it all laid out in there. All the evidence. But I do feel like this is something that will unfold a little bit further as time goes on. It'll be interesting to see next year in 2024 if she's up for a Juno. She absolutely will not be. <laughs> I can guarantee you. There's no coming back from this. I don't... There's zero coming back from this. The public as a whole, specifically the people who enjoy her music and her, her like the, the things she brings to the table, I do not think are going to be the kind of people who just turn the other the other cheek to this. Yeah, totally. I mean, she she encourages people to to fight with their hearts. <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's true. He's Thank, right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Oh, God bless you for making it this far through the... We fucking... What were we thinking? This was a bad it's, idea. I, yeah, I mean, it's like... We had we, to talk about we it. We had to talk about we're it. We're Canadian. And it's it's a thing that's happening. It's, I don't feel good about it. I feel rocked right now. Yeah. Well... <laughs> that's, the, that's the episode. <laughs> um, Thank you for listening. Oh... We'll be back next week. Oh, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Turn it off.